What is up, everyone? We are back for another episode of Nicking Around. We're here for episode seven. The Knicks are kind of in a pretty good spot, I'd say, heading, you know, as we close in on the deadline. I believe the deadline is the ninth. So at the time of this recording, it is February 7th. It is going to be February 8th in less than two hours for me. A little under. It will be February 8th, actually, in two hours and 18 minutes. I don't know where you're getting that from. For uh, from uh, the correct time, Eastern time, of course, uh, you know, but in all, all things considered, 30 and 26 coming off of a win against the Magic that, you know, yes, it was an ugly win. But we said this before we were started recording. And at this point, when you're chasing a higher seed, ugly wins matter so much more than good losses. Right. You know, we know how this team is in terms of their true talent level. It's not like we're trying to figure out how good this team is at this point. We, we know that they're a playoff team. Uh, we know that this is a team that can compete, uh, you know, for that six or even that fifth seed. Um, that's not really a question. Yeah, especially anymore. now that um, Irving's gone from the yeah. East. You know, I, I don't think it's crazy to say a good deadline could put this team in position to potentially have a much more favorable uh, first uh, first round matchup than uh, we would have anticipated initially, or at least get out of the play. And I think that's kind of the situation you want to avoid if you're going to make the postseason. Um, but James, how are you doing today? And uh, how do you feel about the Knicks kind of a- after this recent stretch where I think they've played some pretty good basketball? Yeah, I'm doing well. I think they... Um... I think today was an interesting game uh, with the Magic going up early. Neither team, like, really made their shots, right? Like, that was kind of the thing that, you know, was a storyline throughout the game. It was just – it just came down to shot-making. The Magic went 6 for 26 for 3 or whatever, and the Knicks made 15. Um, that was the difference in the game. They won because of it, and uh, they got dogged by Markel Fultz. I don't know how I feel about that, but um, – you know, Brunson played well. Randall played well. RJ Barrett's becoming an issue. We talked about this a minute ago before we started recording. Like, I, I seriously believe that they, like, would be better with him not playing at this point. Just the way he's been playing right now. And and, and that really sucks to say because it's a guy that we've been so high on for a couple of years. But just, like, right now, the way he's playing is inexcusable. I don't – I'm not saying that, you know, he can't be better. This is not an Alfred Payton situation quite yet, right? Like, we're – where it's kind of a lost cause. Like, there's really nothing he could do. He could have the game of his life and he'd still be in that negative. Like, there's there's very many games where Barrett plays well and is good enough where, like, we we can talk about him as, you know, like a respectable NBA player. Like, a, he's a 20-point-per-game scorer, right? And, you know, that's – it's a it's a good thing, right, that he scores so many points, but he's, you know, he's got to step it up defensively, right? He's, he had that one play today where he literally just let Franz Wagner push off and get the most open layup I've ever seen in my life. And he just stood there. So I don't, I like, I, it, it might be a mental thing right now. I'm not sure what it is, but he's got, he's got to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, RJ Barrett, again, I've said this all year. If RJ Barrett just figures out the defense, I have no problems with the offensive game. I think it's fair to say that RJ Barrett, you know, despite the uh, efficiency numbers and true shooting percentage not being great, I think it's fair to say RJ Barrett is an above average offensive player in the NBA. I don't think that's a crazy take at all. I, uh, plenty of metrics would back that as well. You know, being an above average offensive player and being a good defender is exactly what, like, if you were to kind of picture um you know not obviously a superstar would be the answer to that but you know if you're looking at the deadline if you're kind of looking at what the Knicks are looking for at the deadline someone who can provide really good defense and be solid offensively is exactly what this team would be looking for right and that's something that I think was the expectation for RJ Barrett you know halfway through this year not even you know obviously out of the draft the expectations were high and that makes sense number three overall pick whatever but I think we, we we both Agree that, and it was also know, like a different type of number three overall pick, given that the right. two guys before him were like 
you know, generational prospects in Zion and Jaws. So, yeah, he was the clear number three guy in a, in a class that had two guys ahead of him that, as you mentioned, were you know incredible prospects, right? Zion was, I mean, Zion. I don't, I don't know if there was uh, the Zion hype was crazy back then, um, and it still is nice. Still, it's not like he's bad or anything, but uh, that hype was unprecedented. Um, but when we're talking about RJ Barrett, it's just it feels kind of like. We're talking, you know, before it'd be like, you know, the Knicks need to do this to help RJ Barrett, right? Um, and now it's like the Knicks, if RJ Barrett is going to perform better defensively, maybe it's taking on less difficult defensive assignments. But how do you fix but that? He hasn't recently, like recently, it's been Grimes taking on the difficult assignment. Right. Like a, a couple of years ago, it was always RJ, right? Like he'd be guarding like the LeBrons and the now it's Grimes, and now it's, it's Grimes, right? And Grimes will guard anyone. Um, they yeah. put him on like I, I, I don't know, they've they put him on point guards, they put him on power forwards like i don't know exactly how i feel about him like as a one to five defender like that's such an overrated term there's very few guys in the league that can legitimately guard one through five i don't, I don't even know if there's one that i can think of like a guy that's you know big yeah. enough to to get to guard Embiid and also quick enough to guard like john morant there's nobody in the league who can do that so yeah like, like though what'd you say I'll- I was going to say, like, like, you would consider Alex Caruso an elite defender, but Joel Embiid is dog-walking him if they were to one-on-one. Right, like, right. And I'm, I'm not saying, like, anything against Grimes or that or anything like that. I'm just saying, when you look at, you know, the... um, Like, the the whole one... Def- well, the one, the one to five thing. It's it's, yeah. it's just dumb. But anyways, with, with RJ, I think you just have to, like... The way he's playing right now, like... The Knicks would be better with Emmanuel quickly playing his minutes and yeah. RJ playing quickly. It's like, like as far as numbers go, I don't know about like specific lineups and all that, but I'm saying like, I I would much rather have quickly playing 42 minutes the way that he's been playing than RJ playing 42 minutes. Yeah, um, no, I 100% agree. Like, there's there's no I, and again, it's like you know you 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 can say that you know oh well you know they have. The Knicks, if you look at the Knicks starting lineup, even with Mitchell Robinson in it, you would say that team has two good defenders out of five, right? In that lineup, right? So, you know, and Mitchell Robinson's not going to be guarding a wing or a guard for obvious reasons. Randall's a good defender. He's not great, but he's solid. Randall's like, Randall, I mean, Randall hasn't been a, he's not a terrible defender. He's not a good defender either. Like the way I view it is like, you know, if we, my, my main point with the whole RJ, like lowering the difficulty on defense thing is that's kind of the only way you could make his defense better right now. Like right now, instant change. But how do you no, do he's that? He's literally right? just standing there. Like, right, like how do you, no, how he's you just, a, he's a fucking trapping co- traffic cone. Who said but, that? Uh, Chris Paul. Um, he's no, that's not the only way you make him better. You, you still like, like there needs to be some type of, and I know he got benched today after that awful defensive play. Like, like I was talking about like the worst play I've ever seen. But um, they need there needs to be more of that. Like he should not be playing forty two minutes if he's not playing defense. Like make him earn his minutes, and then maybe he'll play better defense. And I know oh, that's I was like, saying that's like little that's like little league shit. But apparently that's what they need to do because it's getting out of hand. I was saying more so like if you wanted to make his if you wanted to have a better RJ Barrett defensive performance tomorrow, it would just be have him guard like the worst fucking offensive player on the other side of the ball. And I don't even know which how might that be the best idea because right. like. But the problem I mean, is I, the difference between Brunson and Barrett is at least like Brunson tries, right? Like he's out there, like, like trying to stay in front of the guy or trying to get a steal. Whereas RJ just kind of stands there and like hopes that the guy behind him will stop him. 
the way I view it though is like that would like that you're asking Brunson at that point who is probably like I wouldn't say Randall's the top score or Brunson's the top score. They're kind of a one A one B in this situation for scoring. Like Randall is gonna pull up more volume, but I think if we're talking late game situations, Brunson gets the ball more. So kind of a one A one B situation. It would be unfair to just go out of nowhere and increase Brunson's defensive, uh, you know, assignments or the difficulty of his defensive assignments simply to accommodate RJ Barrett. I don't think like we're past the point of let's do things to accommodate RJ Barrett. It's now a point of all of the variables around him. Every piece around him is fine. He's got to change. He has to improve for the first time kind of in this four year tenure. It, we, we're, we're peeling back all the layers. And it's like RJ Barrett's the, 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 the thing that's wrong here. Right. If we look at the trade deadline, a lot of people are like, you know, uh, you know, oh, you know, I know that there was I think there was a report that said the Knicks aren't actively looking at OG anymore. But when they were, it was like, you know, OG will come in and he'll start for Grimes. If OG started, OG started for Grimes, the Knicks, not that they wouldn't get better. But if you want to get the most, if you want to get the most out of it, if you want to get the most out of it, you're benching RJ. Right. That's that's the reality of the situation. If the Knicks get a wing at this deadline, that's a starting caliber wing and has played good and plays good defense. They would start over R.J. Barrett. It wouldn't be over Grimes. This Knicks team, and I, I, I want to get into this with Grimes a little bit later, the more Grimes gets involved in the offense, I think the better the Knicks offense is going to look. You know, you mentioned uh, before in previous podcasts how he's not just a 3 and D guy. I think the offensive ceiling for him is a little bit, is definitely at least a little bit higher than that. You know, if you look at how he can get to the rim, he's very quick to drive to the basket. I think I think he, oh, like, it's it's gone from one end to the other. But, like, last year he was just shooting off the catch way too much, right, and not driving off the catch enough. And now he won't shoot off the catch at all. And it's actually so aggravating because he keeps just, he drives every, every closeout you know what i mean like yeah he, he needs to put those shots up and he hasn't been which is like it's it's a nitpicky thing but it's it's something that actually needs to change um if like because they need they, they need shooters on the court they need floor spacers and obviously randall like relearning how to shoot a three helps and then brunson becoming i i think he's shooting like 50 percent from three nowadays um which is kind of absurd but he's yeah uh you need you need a shooter especially with rj like not shooting well he hit those three those three huge threes today which this is the one thing about barrett is like even when he plays like shit we've seen this like uh the celtics this year and last year actually um when he doesn't play well it doesn't like he still shoots well uh in the clutch right that's kind of like his thing right is is those late game situations he's very good at making those shots not not so much creating them but making them yeah um i think I, I think his, you know, the way he's been playing is, is very concerning, though. The way I look at things with this lineup is that, you know, if we're looking at and assessing this team for the deadline, you know, bench scoring, absolutely. Um, but they need, you know, either either they need to, as you mentioned, kind of, you know, slide quickly in there in terms of minutes um, or, or get someone who can be a consistent starting wing Um and I mean, like a good defensive starting. I'm not saying you know bring in fucking Reggie Bullock and 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 start him over RJ Barrett. That that like no, that's not what I'm suggesting. You know, um, but no, but if you bring in an OG Ananobi, you have to start him. You can't bring right. Ananobi off the bench, and you can't you can't sit Grimes to do that. You 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 sit you sit. Barrett. Well, I mean, I think you with could. a guy like Ananobi, you could because he kind of does what Grimes does. You know, with the three with the three and D type of thing. Uh, Ananobi's got a better three point percentage this year. He's not a better shooter. Um, I would. I don't. First of all, I don't think they're gonna get him. I think that's kind yeah, of the equation. The report looks. There was a report that they're not gonna get him. I. I. It just doesn't. If the, if they're actually asking for two, like 
unprotected first that's absurd um yeah. he's not worth that he'll never he'll never be worth that quite frankly injury um, issues too he's missed a couple a lot of games recently i think it's like six in a row now it's a lot it's yeah. bad so i mean i like he's hurt right now that's not like a, a a major concern like that he's hurt right now it's more so that he's been hurt so many times um i i would lean away from him unless you can get him for you know i would trade ob for him i trade a couple of unprotected for uh, i trade an unprotected first or i trade a couple of protected first um ob in a first should get it yeah. done he's not that good um but I, I mean i'd love to have him he'd be a great it's a great fit i think to get another 3 and d wing like the Ananobi's one of those guys he's very similar to Grimes we've said this a lot where like there is not a team in the league that couldn't use him right like like um and then RJ Barrett's kind of like the polar opposite of that where like he's only going to be good in the right system and the right situation and you kind of have to build that situation around him right whereas like Ananobi will you can kind of plug and play he's a ceiling raiser so I I would I would love to have him I think he can he can definitely elevate this team's ceiling for sure like I just said he could make them you know potential second maybe you know get to the second round rather than just like you know about in the first round and call it a good season um but at the same time i wouldn't be too mad if they just kind of stuck with it and just traded reddish for like a second round pick or whatever because he's not worth anything he's not worth keeping that's definitely for sure um and you just get whatever you can for him if you can get a second round pick i don't care if it's top 58 protected just get him off the fucking roster the dude is awful so. No, I don't disagree. And, and I think it's, you know, one thing uh, that, you know, I, I, I know Ethan, he mentioned this to me, uh, like kind of while we were recording uh, that ba- our baseball podcast, um, he was like, you know, it, it's it's kind of funny to see Knicks fans like equate Cam Thomas to Cam Reddish because Cam Reddish is like not good at fucking bass. Like there's, he's just not a good yeah, like Cam player. Thomas seems more he he's he's a good player. He, well, first of all, he's really good. Yeah, and he just needs like more of an opportunity, right? And he's probably going to get that. I think, I think that's one of, I think, and maybe I'm overthinking things, but I think that's one of the reasons why they were comfortable trading Kyrie Irving is because they knew that they had him. And every time he's gotten those minutes, he's put up 30 points. He's like, put up, he's 40 in the last three games. That's like, I think only LeBron was last two at, games. at that age. That was three. I think he has three 40 pointers. In a row. He just dropped 40 tonight. That's why. Oh, did he again? Yeah. Like, I think that's only LeBron has done that at the age of, at his age, right? Yeah, I, I have no idea, but that's ridiculous what, what Cam Thomas is doing recently. And efficiently, too. So Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's chucking up shots, either. You have 43 points on 23 shots. I would take that any day of the week. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if he can legitimately, you know, be something next to Durant, this this next team is still still scares me a little bit. But, you know, he's he's no Kyrie Irving, right? No, like, he could he could do this 10 more games, and I still wouldn't think he's Kyrie Irving. Yeah, uh, the... I mean, go ahead. What happened? Go I was ahead. gonna say just like uh, I just the the way I look at the way I look at Cam Reddish is like Cam Thomas obviously like I think Cam Thomas is a good player. I think that you know we're not talking about Cam uh, Cam Reddish is like good player who isn't getting opportunities. I want a lot of people to re- remember this is not a good player not getting opportunities. Can you say it's questionable process to trade for a player and then your head coach before he even? No, it's not court? questionable. It's bad process right. to trade for him and not use him. That's that's a that's bad, bad process. That was a bad decision. But the bad decision isn't that he's not playing. The bad decision was to trade for him in the first place. He, right. Like, and that's obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. But knowing what we know now and knowing what the Knicks did know at that time. Like, this is different coming from, like, the fans, right, who didn't know this at the time, but apparently Tibbs didn't want him to begin with, then don't get him. If your coach doesn't want him, don't get him. Or if if fire your coach. 
Right. It feels like or they like have... force force his hand, but don't just sit there and let him not play the guy. It's poor asset know. management. But, but as you mentioned, a, it's a it's a protected first round pick. Gives a shit. They have so many of those, and it probably won't amount to anything. Although they did trade the... it, it was part of the Murray trade. So who knows? The way I see it is like end of the day. If the Knicks, um, if, if the Knicks get rid of Reddish, that's a W. Like as long as they fucking, as long like, and I'm not saying it's a hate on the guy, but they just need to return the value and like not. Well, I mean, wrong. all he's doing right now is clogging up a roster spot because he's not playing. Right. He's not worth playing either. That's the main thing here. Like he's they, just they, taking up a roster spot. And they need guys who can actually be in the rotation because, quite frankly, I don't know how sustainable. Like you mentioned this before when Mitchell Robinson got hurt. This team has like another injury right now. Not even just like a sustain, sustain, substantial injury. If Miles McBride goes down right now, that's that fine. Hurts a, it, it's fine. Is it like you have to play? I, I mean, Brooks. it's fine. You have to play. No, Dan you Brooks. play Evan Fournier. Would would Fournier be? Oh, quickly! I forgot. Quickly can play. Okay, so if you, I guess, my, or even if you if you lost one of your starters, it'd be bad. I mean, it depends. Yeah, uh, depends on who the starter is. Quickly doesn't matter. Yeah. You can start quickly. The way I view it is like you. I think you kind of would like ideally. Yeah, to I mean, like, yeah. If you if you lose, maybe. if you lose one of your all stars, and I I guess they only have one, but you know what I mean. If you lose Brunson, Brunson or, should be an all star. But or Randall, if you lose one of those two guys, like yeah, sure that that would you know throw the season for you know throw a wrench in whatever. But who cares? Any like that's such a stupid thing to say. Any team loses, like you know the Lakers lose LeBron, they're the worst team in the league. I'm just saying I would like, you know, just I would like not that I I, I need them to do something other than stand pat, because quite frankly, I would rather them stand pat than overpay. Leon Rose has showed he doesn't like losing trades. So. I don't care if they overpay. They have so many assets. Go ahead and overpay. I mean, I guess in the sense of like, I mean, overpay is in like if they traded an extra second, that maybe wouldn't like I'm not going to give a shit. But like, as you mentioned with OG, like I'm not trading like a bunch of unprotected first for OG. I'm not doing that. Like, I'm just I'm just I'm just not doing that. I'm not. Yeah, I'll trade. I'll trade a couple. I'll trade as many protected firsts as those. those not guys unprotected. Want. Unprotected. Yeah, as, well. as as many protected firsts right. as they want, they can protected, have. Protected, I don't give a shit. But unprotected, I do give a shit. You know what I mean? Where it's like I'm okay with them feeling like you know what we have to make a lot better decision in the long term. But at the same time, like there is enough solid rotational players in the market that shouldn't cost a ton to get. That I think it would be like they they just just add some guys, just add a body to the fucking roster. Get rid of Reddish. Yeah, but you know I, I mean? also, but they also have like the Evan Fournier is a body, I, right? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind them trading him either. I think he could recoup some value. He's still a good shooter. Like, I mean, I am, he's a great shooter. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't. I think it's just more so the fit on the roster. I think that's kind of the only reason why. You know? Yeah, I mean, I just like he doesn't. He, yeah, obviously he doesn't fit well. But I also don't think it's fair to him that. He went straight from starting to not playing. Like they're like Tibbs did this last year with Kevin Walker. Like it doesn't make any sense why those guys were starters, and then he decided like 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 this. This game you're gonna start and play forty five minutes, and then the next game you're gonna never you're not gonna see the floor. Like that's I feel like it's a little bit of an overreaction. I think Fournier definitely definitely could still play at uh the NBA level. Like he could be a rotational piece. He could he could easily be in this rotation right now. And I like, and I wouldn't be like, oh, well, he's like a liability or anything. He can shoot the ball and he can get hot, and like he won them that game against uh, the Sixers. Basically, yeah. single handedly won them that game. I mean, end of the day, I I have. And then his his post game quote was fucking legendary. By the way, the one about the one night stand. Yeah, that's fucking hilarious. That was funny because like 
I I don't know if there's a better way to put it. He's like, you know what? I, like again, I give him mad props for just like not being like not for not just being like, Cam Reddish. Like, cool, you got to get another rotation. Doesn't mean you have to go like cry about it and then like try and get your coach fired because of it. Like that's ridiculous. And then and then go sit on the bench and not play because now you r- refuse to play for this team. You want to get your, like, come on, that's so childish. I mean, I I get the frustration, but I mean, it doesn't help you. I mean, Re- Fournier, I think he would Reddish would have something to gain from playing, and I think that it would serve to benefit him if he was to come in and play. But he doesn't want to. Oh well, I think Fournier is probably a better player straight up. So you know, I don't really care, but. Um, I guess, you know, kind of looking at this roster ahead of the deadline, I think kind of getting some sort of defensive minded wing to help if you wanted to get a starter, I think someone who's more defensive minded would help, but just because, and then if you need a, if you're trying to get a bench piece, you need somebody who can score. Absolutely. Um, You can't get a bench piece. It's like, you know, Alex Caruso is not going to help this team off the bench as much as, yeah, I mean, he could, he could help as a starter, but he's not going to start over any of our starters. And then off the bench, they don't need that. Like the bench unit has plenty of defense with quickly and and McBride. Um, They struggle to score the ball. um, Especially when RJ's not out there with them, which is like the one, which is like his kind of redeeming quality recently is that he can still, he comes off the bench, like not comes off the bench. Like he plays with the bench unit and he scores for them and they need someone who can score. Right. Um, You know, I, I struggle with the whole, like, you know, just pure score guy, right? Like, like an Eric Gordon, I, I've heard a lot. I didn't hate that at first, like a Terrence Ross, but the more I think about it, like, I don't see what those guys bring to the table that Evan Fournier doesn't. Yeah, I feel you. Where it's like the total value of that player. Like, like, what is, what is the, what is the, like, the opportunity cost here is like, what is it? What is it? Because you're really, are you trading up that much? You're already paying the guy $20 million and he can do, if not the same thing. 95% of what you know Eric Gordon can do I if not agree. more uh, Josh Hart I, I want I, I like Josh Hart I love Josh dude Josh Hart I fucking adore I would I would go as far as to say if the Knicks got Josh Hart I would consider starting him mm, I think he's the best player that's just but like I, I think with that lineup, like I think anybody who can kind of play off ball would be better than RJ just because how how ball dominant Randall and Brunson are um like RJ doesn't RJ is a spot up shooter with that starting lineup, right? Yeah, that's kind of the issue. And um, you know, it would be fine if he was a spot up shooter, but the problem is that he's not a spot up shooter, he's a volume scorer. Right. And, you know, Josh Hart is not a spot up shooter either, but he's also he also plays defense. So Right. That's a plus. No. He also gets a he gets a shitload of rebounds too. Josh Hart's like six five and averages like eight rebounds a game. The way I look at it is like Josh Hart would just be a better fit for the lineup and for the starting lineup. You'd also have a situation where Grimes and Hart as a defensive duo would be pretty damn good. So that's another thing I'd be pretty excited about just having like two guys who I know like Brunson and Randall, like not saying that I don't want Randall to think about defense, but Brunson and Randall would kind of not really have to think about defense as much. Um, because quite frankly, you know, Grimes and Hart can kind of grind Hart, You can kind of legitimately just say, play defense when you get a three year way, hit the three, you know, if you have a corner three, just hit your shots. Um, and that's really it. Like, you, he doesn't have to really be involved much in the offense. He'll, you know, ha- have some off ball gravity because you're not going to want to leave him open in the corner. Um, you know, that that could help with driving lanes. Um, you know, end of the day, I just don't think Barrett fits in the starting lineup very well for the reasons you mentioned with ball dominance. And again, like, 
I think you need with Brunson specifically and and, and Randall a, a little bit as well. You you can't have a you can't have your 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 second primary not like you can't have a second guy. You can't have a third guy in there who's a liability defensively and is not just a liability. He's like the worst defender on the team type player. You know what I mean? Like that can't happen. Right. Like that, that, that won't, that won't mesh well in the postseason. I don't know how that well, how well that's going to perform. You know, I'm scared of like, you know, you match up in the first round with like, you know, a Donovan Mitchell and he just fucking tears you apart. Right. Like, or, or, or you know, you have Mitchell guarded by Grimes and then yeah, like, but I'm Garland. not worried about Cleveland. I like, mean, I'm not saying I, I think Cleveland's the one top four seed in the East that I sit here and I say right now, the Knicks would beat in the five and in a second series. But that's that that I'm talking like, about. Them. They're not beating Boston, right? They're not beating uh Milwaukee or 76ers, no shot. Uh yeah. they they could beat Cleveland. They match up with like the, the way Cleveland beats teams is with their size, and the Knicks can match up. Like the Knicks can match up with anyone's size because they have an all-star power forward who actually plays like a big man. So um look, I'm not like because like what? with with Cleveland, right? Like the other teams in the East, like they they struggle with Cleveland, um, especially a team like Miami. Uh, they struggle with size, which is why the Knicks match up well with them too. Although I just don't like that that coaching matchup scares me in a playoff series because Tibbs is a re, uh, is a moron, and um, interesting person, and and Spolstra is like a legendary coach, right? He's w- one of the best coaches in the league, and probably will go down as one of the best coaches of all time. So that matchup scares me. Um, just the mismatch there, right? But I don't think any. I don't think Cle- I don't think Cleveland scares me. Bakerstaff does not scare me as a coach the way that Spolster does. And then their their lineup, like yeah, obviously Mitchell's great, but you know the Knicks have beaten them now twice in a row. I think. Yeah, uh, the Cavs. They've beaten them. They've they've matched up well with them in the regular season. If I'm not mistaken, and they've and not that Mitchell hasn't like not that Mitchell isn't good, but he hasn't like torch the Knicks yet I'm just more scared of a scenario where Mitchell's guarded by Grimes Grimes is performing well in that matchup relative to Mitchell's uh slash lines but a guy like Garland kind of just kills Barrett on a in a defense on in a matchup you know I don't really try obviously I thought not- they didn't they put um when they played him, didn't they have Brunson on Garland? If I remember correctly, they might have had Brunson on Garland but that's also not a matchup that's that also you're... scary yeah it's more so like but, but then again, Barrett, like that that Cavs team's really bad. Uh, their 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 defense is amazing. They don't. They their offense is not good. No, it's so, it's not it's not overpowering for certain. But their defense is like you. Their it, defense uh, is unbelievable, which yeah, really it, is is shocking given like they have they play two tiny guards right, and that was the thing about right. the, the Knicks getting Mitchell that everyone was so scared of after they signed Brunson was like oh well they're gonna be a horrible backcourt duo defensively, but like. If Garland and Mitchell work, there's no reason Brunson and Mitchell wouldn't have. I mean, at the end of the day, I think most Knicks fans would say that if they could go back and do the – if they could go back and change the outcome of the Mitchell trade, they would, right? Because – Oh, yeah. I mean, I would have given up his... an extra first because, like – but then again, you didn't ex- – before the year, no one expected Brunson to be a 25-point-per-game scorer. And I would say the other factor here is I don't think anyone anticipated Barrett being this bad. I, I don't. I, right. If you told me Barrett, if you would have showed me Barrett shooting lines, I'd be like, "All right." I mean, yeah, I kind of expect that. But if you told me like, the "Yeah," and he's also is... the worst defender on in the starting lineup, like, "All right, what the fuck?" You know what I mean? Like, especially with Brunson there, you'd be like, "Okay, the worst defender in the lineup's Brunson, right?" That makes sense, but it's not. It's Barrett. It, it doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, I mean Brunson's a worse defender for sure, but like he does his metrics aren't as bad. Production. Like, I, yeah, I, 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 feel, I feel better with Barrett guarding you know, basically anyone than Brunson. The way I, I look at it, yeah, I agree. I feel like in a, in a talent, if you just you know, if you look at it from a talent perspective, Barrett should be a better defender, right? Barrett it has more uh, has better defensive skills than Brunson does. I don't think that's a point of contention. It's just the fact that it hasn't reflected that when I feel like the talent gap is pretty clearly in RJ's favor. This isn't like, oh, Jay, I'm shocked that Julius Randle is is a better offensive player than Brunson is this year because the gap in them between them offensively wasn't massive. You know what I mean? Right. You know what I'm saying? Whereas the gap between Brunson and Barrett defensively feels should big be enough. huge. Right. It feels big enough that it should it, it is shocking that that's true it's shocking that that's the case but i don't know uh it's one of those things where if we're looking at a post the matchup i'm scared of how rj barrett is going to handle his defensive assignments teams are going to shrink the rotations you're going to consistently consistently see better players right and we're guaranteed this is guaranteeing a matchup with the Cavs. if you're in a playing situation right and you're playing you know I mean, I'm trying to think who's even in this fucking play-in situation. You're playing the Bulls. You're playing the. You no, know, the play-in is gonna be probably it'll, it'll, if if not the Knicks, it'll be Miami. Uh, it'll Hawks. be the Hawks. It'll be the Pacers, right? And then the Raptors, I'd assume. The I think um, it'd be the Bulls if they trade OG. If they trade OG, it'll be the Bulls. Yeah, I mean, I think the Pacers are better than the Bulls when Halliburton's healthy. I think Orlando could make a run. They're only three games back, and they they're hot, right? Um. Washington, I don't think is very good. And then obviously Charlotte and Detroit are way down there. Uh, the Raptors make no sense. It's it's really funny to me, actually, how the Raptors supposedly have these four guys, right? Uh, Siakam, Barnes, Ananobi, and Fred Van Vliet, who are supposed to be like, you know, these great, you know, NBA players. And then they have the best coach they could possibly have at Nick Nurse, and they suck. Something's not, something's wrong there, right? Like, out of all of those things that you guys, that you Raptors fans claim, something's not true. I would argue the problem's probably Scotty Barnes, but. Yeah, it's weird. You know, the... they suck. They're bad. These guys are all supposed to be worth like multiple firsts and like, yeah, like, be, like it, you have like yeah. 12 first round picks of value. I, I, but I would say like, up, according to Raptors fans, there's 12, there's what, 12 firsts. It's like three, like Siakam is probably actually worth three or four firsts. Um, but Van Vliet's worth like a second round pick at best. Um, He's so bad, and then, uh, what? what Second round pick. Okay, that's a that's a stretch, dude. I think I think you. I think Fred Van Vliet is a good player. He's not good. He is a good. He's like he's like five seven. He doesn't. That's fine. He's not a good. He doesn't shoot well. He, but you know, there's there's something to be said about the fact that again, when every when most value metrics say that you're a good player, I have a hard time believing you're a bad player. I have a hard, I, I think this is just a case of his field goal percentage is bad. He's going to have a bunch of ugly misses. His true shooting percentage isn't elite. It isn't, I don't even think it's above average. It's okay. Maybe he's not, maybe he's not that bad, but uh, it's, it's, he's not excellent, but he's good. It's kind of like where I see it. You know, he's not excellent. Yeah. I just don't he also know looks like it. Alec Manoa. Manoa's like 300 pounds. But, but they look alike. Like their faces, they look exactly the same. I'm going to pull up a side-by-side. You go ahead and do that. But um, I don't know. I think I think you look at this trade deadline, and there's a lot of things you can um, 
you can look for right for the Knicks. But I just I just don't know if there's the right move is out there because I think that I think the only the only like logical move for the Knicks is to trade for a superstar, right? Because they have so many guys, they have so many, you know, like they have so many number. They have two number twos. They have like two number threes. They they just don't have a number one. And the, the solution to that problem is not trading for another number two. It's not trading for another OG Ananobi, who's probably a three, but you know what I mean. It, the, they have a lot of good. They need great. They need something great. No, they um, have a lot of great. They have. They need elite. I mean, great, like, uh, yeah, great's like that word to use here. Because, like, Brunson is great. great and Randall's great. Right. They have, they have great, great players. They need but not they elite. need two elite players. They need an elite player. One. They, and yeah, they, they need that number one guy. You know who would have been great is Kyrie Irving, but – um. I don't know how that would have fit, but I'm scared. I would be scared that Kyrie Irving would just like disappear in like a like two. I years. would never want him on my team. I'm te- I I am terror. I would have like anxiety around having Kyrie Irving on my team. Scared, like, I, definitely scared. It, it would be because like I feel like any every like I would get a sh- uh, like a tweet from like Woj about like a Kyrie Irving news, and if I'm that team that has him, I'd be like, what the fuck did he do this time? <laughs> He'd yeah, it's like, like oh, what did what did he do? What is where is he? Like, did he just decide he's just gonna go take a three week break in Jamaica? Can, like, he can retire. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if like he no, like, I could get a tweet tomorrow from Woj saying, um, you know, per ESPN sources, Kyrie Irving has retired, and I'd be like, okay, that's not yeah, that makes yeah, you know, Tim. But yeah, no, I, I would say you know, end of the, I feel like. Again, like how we have so many podcasts where it just like kind of guides into, man, this team really is just one elite away. But that's because all year, it's, that's what it's basically been. This team is good. This team has good pieces in place. They have a shit ton of picks. Like, you know, I, I, I'm i a Giants fan, right? So like, look at the Giants. Like they, are, they were in a similar situation. You're as a the Browns fan. No, Giants fan. Fuck the Browns. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, though, is my is my new quarterback. He's going to be the Giants quarterback next year. But um. You know, looking at the like the Giants are like they're good, or they came off a good year. It's a good year for them. Organizationally, you feel pretty confident in the front office ability to make certain decisions. Better head coaching situation, not debatable. But the it's like their picks or like their draft assets are like stand out. You know what I mean? We're like they're gonna go out and just start wheeling and dealing picks for star players. The Knicks, I mean, yes, Thibodeau is a problem, but I feel like you can kind of super like if you have a star player, who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? As long as the star player likes to coach, no one cares, right? You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, you know, I don't like him. I would prefer that they didn't have him as the coach, but whatever. But they have so many assets. This team just needs to continue to play at the level they've played at all year. Um, and if at the end of the year we're looking at, you know, a team that finishes the sixth seed and and, and has a shot to face off, you know, I I pray that it's kind of I pray it's the Cavs. You know, I I do because I, I the seventy the seventy sixers scare me. They're terrifying. They're terrifying. They're really fucking good. Um, but if you match up with a team, if you if you get a team like the Cavs in the first round, um, you know, all bets are off, right? You know, you you even if you have a competitive series there, the season's a massive fucking success, right? You know what I mean? And you have the picks that at any point in time, whoever becomes available, uh, is someone you can trade for. And I think that that's that's something that that's really where they're at right now. They're good. They're going to continue to be good. They're young. They have, you know, Barrett's been kind of the big disappointment this year. But I think everyone else has either played up to their standards or above it. Um, but I don't know if you disagree, if you have any more final thoughts. No, I agree with you for sure. Um, I think we can wrap it up there. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will see you in episode eight.